You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. No reason to become alarmed, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Welcome to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence Podcast. This is your pilot, John Lafferty, with Century 21 Town & Country. And co-pilot, Tony Abate, with Ross Mortgage, and we are your real estate pilots. Our job is to be your real estate advocate and also make sure you're educated about the buying and selling process. We'll keep you informed throughout until we get you safely to closed. All right. In a real estate transaction, there are many reasons why you can encounter turbulence. Uh, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the finance side and discuss discount points, uh, seller concessions, and and some of the things that a consumer might need to know uh, on these topics, especially when they're doing some online shopping and, and, uh, and some things leading up to a purchase transaction. Great, great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, th- there's a lot of confusion out there when, the, when you start talking about discount points and how it all works. So, Tony, point blank. How the hell does discount points, how the hell do they work? What does yeah. it mean when somebody says one point or two points or you can get this rate if you buy one point down or how, how does that all work? Right, right, right. Well, so uh, uh, what a discount point is, a discount point is basically a lender charging a borrower in advance. Uh, it's really interest that they're charging in advance in exchange for a lower interest rate on the loan. Um, you know, the genesis of this was back when interest rates were really, really high and folks needed to do anything that they could possibly do to get the note rate down to, you know, hopefully a more manageable level. So in other words, you know, hey, our, our rate is 15%, but goodness, if you pay us two or three points, we're going to give you 12%. And, uh, and that, that's kind of where it all came about. Um, and so I, I think a consumer can kind of look at discount points as optional equipment in this market. I mean, rates are already very, very low. And and so by paying a point, uh, you can buy an interest rate down lower if you wanted to, but it's not required. Um, each point equals 1% of a loan amount. So if you're borrowing $200,000 to purchase a home or refinance a home, one point is going to add $2,000 to your closing costs. I have a question. Mm-hmm. What does one point equate in the rate? Sure. That's a great question. So uh, it's going to ebb and flow. Because mortgage interest rates are impacted by the same things that other things on Wall Street are. But in general terms, for every point that you do or don't pay, the interest rate on the mortgage is going to change by about a quarter percent. And we're talking in the context of a you know, plain over a 30-year fixed rate loan. So a 4.25 would probably go down to a 4 with paying a point. With paying right. a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the question comes up, well, gee, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Uh, and, and the answer is it really kind of depends on that consumer's situation. So, so I, I put together an example that we could run through uh, just to kind of maybe, you know, take some of the murkiness out of the whole thing. Okay. So an example here, we're talking about uh, somebody taking out a $200,000 mortgage and, and they're using, again, a standard 30-year fixed rate loan. And they've got a couple options. Uh, the lender might say, hey, we can give you 4% on that fixed rate loan and not charge you any points. And your monthly payment on that will be $955 a month. Or we can give you 3.5% and charge you two points and your payment will go down to $898 a month. So now when we're talking about a $200,000 mortgage and we're talking about two points being charged, those points would add $4,000 to your closing costs. So what happens with that? Between those two examples, the difference in the payment on the higher rate versus the lower rate works out to $57 a month. So a consumer can conclude, well, I'm paying $4,000 up front, 
to save $57 per month over the life of the loan. So for folks that like to get out the Excel spreadsheets, it can look pretty impressive because over a 30-year loan, that $4,000 investment is going to save you over $20,000 in interest expense. But I think there's some context with that from a practical standpoint. There's not too many folks that that see their 30-year loan to the very end after a 30-year time frame. Something happens. They'll sell and pay off the loan. They'll have some other opportunity to pay off the loan. Uh, they'll sell their home. They'll refinance. There's a variety of different things. So another way to look at it is, well, at a minimum, when am I going to get my investment back? I invested $4,000 uh, in, in a lower interest rate and a lower payment. When do I at least get that back? And in our example here, it, it's 70 months if you divide the cost of the points and the savings. Or it's just under six years. So are points a good thing or a bad thing? Well, they're a poor short-term decision. They're, they're, a, they're a pretty good long-term decision. But in, in my very, very simple mind, I, I really just like to ask folks, is this the best use of your money at this point in time? You know, Do you have the extra $4,000 and you have no other needs? Great. Get that lower interest rate, especially if you think this is going to be your forever home. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the overall and how points work. In this market, not a lot of folks are paying points. Interest rates are already very low. And, uh, you know, they're concluding, you know, I'll keep my, I keep my money in my pocket. I don't need to give extra money to the lender to get that interest rate even lower still. Yeah, you're right. You don't, I don't really see much of that uh, mm-hmm. on the buyer side. I, I don't have uh, buyers saying I need to have closing costs because I need to buy down a point on my rate in order to right. get this better rate. I, I, I really haven't heard much of that at all in the last Geez, five, six years. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. But let me, let me put an interesting twist to this, John. Um, you know, what do consumers do before they come and see you or come and see me? They're spending a lot of time online and, and they're, and we all do that, right? We, so we do WebMD. We do all the, the self help that we can. And our industry pushes interest rate, interest rate, interest rate, interest rate, and doesn't talk a whole lot about costs. And so one of the things that happens is that, you know, your conclusion is exactly right. Buyers just aren't paying points to buy down their mortgage interest rate. We never see it on the closing statement, right? I shouldn't say never, but pretty unrarely. On the other hand, however, if you go to typically large lender websites and they have a big attractive interest rate number flashing on the screen, um, it's going to look really great. Like Uh, (laughs) blanktree.com? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. So in other words, they're selling rate and they're downplaying all the other things. And so, so there's, there's kind of cross purposes there, right? I mean, we know that for most consumers, it may not be in their best interest to pay points, but our industry promotes that lower rate, promotes that lower rate, even at the expense of paying points. Do you think that buyers are educated enough that when they see a teaser rate to look to see if that includes points? So in other words, Somebody calls you and you say, well, this is the going rate right now. They go online. They shop around. They find another interest rate that's a quarter or half a point lower. Do you think they're savvy enough to check and see if that means a discount point? Well, um, I, I, I would say no, but that's not necessarily their fault. You know, all the data that's coming to them uh, reinforces the importance of that rate. And, and so my response is you can't really evaluate rate without also evaluating closing costs. They go hand in hand. If you have a great rate, uh, but in return, you're really paying a, a high amount of closing costs, uh, that might not be a, an attractive deal. And, and it goes the other way too. You know, you'll have lenders out there that are promoting, Hey, we don't charge any closing costs. Come and get your loan from me. You won't pay any closing costs. But then there's no mention of the rate. 
And you can see what happens in that direction. The rate is higher than the market and that's how they pay for those closing costs. There's a third scenario that I've come across as well and I know we've, we've probably touched on this previously and that's rates competitive, mm-hmm. right? But hey, we're going to do it for very little cost, mm-hmm. very small origination fee, very small lender closing costs. So here's our good faith estimate or estimate of your costs that you can compare apples to apples with the lender from Ross Mortgage. Mm-hmm. And the the consumer doesn't necessarily see the price differences that get pushed in, the right. inflated prices. Mm-hmm. So the title insurance on this one is the normal whatever it is, normal figure. Mm-hmm. Over here, that's bumped. And then there's other little fees that are similar that are bumped. And when questioned, oh, well, that's regulated by the state. You know, (laughs) our numbers are realistic. So they are inflating those numbers to make up for the fact that they're charging a small origination fee. And sometimes a buyer is so overwhelmed with what they're looking at, Mm -hmm. they don't realize that – no, those numbers are inflated. That's for them. That that extra money goes to them. Right. So in the end, they're not charging you a lower in, uh, origination fee or lender fee. It, it's the same or it's more. They've just buried them in other areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, you're right, John. Uh, and and two pieces of advice I try to give consumers that are getting that granular with their shopping. Uh, number one, the the old rule never ever goes away, and that is. There's no free rides. There's never something for nothing. Uh, that That's just how it goes. And so if something looks really attractive on one end, it's going to be compensated for on the other end of the transaction. That's just how it is. And, and you know, the other the other thing that folks have to, to take into consideration is, um, you know, they, they have to balance out what's right for them. You know, maybe paying points and getting that lower interest rate is a good deal. But the point is, you got to look at the whole enchilada. You can't just focus on the rate and, 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 and not look at costs or vice versa. I've seen settlement statements before from predominantly from larger lenders, uh, that, uh, that are aggressive marketers and the rate looks great. But you know what? The buyer paid $10,000 in closing costs to get that lower rate. And, they sign. They're happy because they're focused on the rate, and and the math surrounding that is is uh, is not challenging. So let me let me give you an example of one of the things I just Please. pulled. Yeah, I, I just pulled this offline today, and so this is uh, uh, a, 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 a disclaimer or an assumption. Call call it whatever you want. So when you go to a lender's website and you're seeing an interest rate, the interest rate is always going to have an asterisk or a footnote or or something like that that is basically saying there's more information out there. And we never read that stuff, right? I mean, we're all guilty of that when we're doing things online. But when we're talking about a mortgage, it's worthwhile to scroll down and get out the magnifying glass and look at that. So <laughs> so here's here's what this says in this one website. The, the, the rate looked attractive, so you, you give them props for that. But then it says um, uh, the payment on a $200,000 30-year fixed rate loan um, at 4.125% and 75% loan to value with two points due at closing. So so there's a couple things there. Number one, the rate is predicated on the loan size. The rate is pre- predicated on the down payment. Right. And, you know, 25%. That's robust for a lot of people, right? It's, yeah. And it just rolls it right in there. By the way, you're paying two points. So whether it mathematically or financially makes sense, it's tied in with that rate. And I, I can't sugarcoat it. It's in the fine print. It wow. just is. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. So my advice to consumers is, you know, you, you, you want to not put the blinders on and just focus entirely on rate, 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 rate. Um, do, do you shop and compare? Of course you do, but, but please shop for, shop for the whole thing. Look at the rate and the costs. And if they won't give it to you in writing, move on, move on. There's no reason why a consumer is entering into a six-figure transaction and is expected to make a decision without seeing costs in writing. Yeah. It really comes down to doing your homework mm-hmm. and having conversations. And this is also a conversation that you have with your realtor mm-hmm. as 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 your buyer's agent. Part of the process, too, is – is to have that conversation. Does this sound right? Does this does this look right? right. Um, this is what I got. Should I get a second opinion? That's all stuff that that we can, and that's why knowing professionals like yourself, who uh, you know, who have a lot of integrity and are going to be honest with people. And and you said it earlier, it's all based on that potential buyer's circumstances, mm-hmm. right. uh, what's best for them, what's the highest and best use of their money uh, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really valuable information. Well, yeah, let me let me kind of deck up another example. If somebody is able to make a 20% down payment and they're right on the cusp, but uh, a lender suggests to them, well, we can get you this rate if you're willing to pay, you know, a, a point, two points, three points, whatever the case may be, and they're focused on that rate. One of the conclusions that they might make is, well, I can, I can pay for that if I make a smaller down payment on the home. So now what happens? Now they're not making a 20% down payment. They're making a 15% down payment. They got that lower rate, but they triggered monthly PMI. Uh, and, and those kind of conversations happen and I'll, I'll see estimates that are given to me that says, well, here's what they suggested I do in order to get this lower rate. And, and my conclusion is everyone's a winner except that consumer. <laughs> you know, right. the PMI company gets a contract, the lender gets those nice points up front, but it's just not the best choice for the consumer. Yeah. Um, you know, you had, uh, you had talked earlier about, um, uh, you know, the conversation about seller paying costs on behalf of the buyer and, and how, how that kind of ramps up if there's a situation where there is, uh, uh, points being charged. I guess I would say, you know, if, 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 uh, if you can get a lower rate by paying points and, and offload that to the seller, hey, not the worst way to go. Um, but again, look at the whole thing. Are you paying more for the house to make that happen? So. Yeah, that's, that's right. And is the house going to appraise? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's the aspect of, uh, you know, do, do some of these costs get offloaded to the seller? And, um, we were, we were talking in, in the previous episode about, um, uh, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of things will a seller do or not do to make an offer happen, especially when we're in not quite as tight of a market right now. It's not, not as strong of a seller market. So we might be, and you tell me, are we entering into a phase where we might see um, more negotiated transactions where a seller is willing to pay for some of the buyer's closing costs? I think it wholly depends on the house itself okay. or the property itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think if you have – today's buyer right now is really focused on wanting to move in mm-hmm. and not have to do anything. Okay. That's mm-hmm. most of the buyers out there. I want to be able to move in. It's updated and ready to go. Now, obviously, that's not every house. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's not me saying that every house that isn't fully updated and remodeled doesn't get a full price offer or has to pay closing sure. costs. But the demand for updated, remodeled, 
kitchens and baths and hardwood floors and, you know, that's that kind of thing that, that today's buyer is looking for. That type of home is getting slammed, if it's priced right, with multiple offers. Okay. Yeah. And it's just happening. The home that isn't so much or needs some elbow grease and some work and some paint and maybe new carpet mm-hmm. and some other things, that house is maybe going to sit a little longer. And so maybe there's an opportunity for that kind of – and a savvy buyer agent will know this, sure. that I've got a buyer that needs closing costs. OK, we're going to get probably aced out of a lot of these homes, mm-hmm. but this is what my buyer wants. So this is what we're going to look at. And, and maybe we get – bombed two times yeah. and then maybe you have that conversation with the buyer okay we talked about this before but maybe this is something we should consider if if you're willing to do it now some buyers just can't do that right, right, right. so mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a consideration but yeah in that in that circumstance i think we can start to see uh we're going to start to see and have been seeing um seller concessions, willingness to do that. Now, we were talking prior, and one of the things that's always interested me, and then I think that some listing agents don't understand, some buyer agents don't understand, is how can one buyer only ask for 3% in concessions, Mm -hmm. and then you have other buyers that can ask for 6% in concessions? What type of loans does that vary on and is six the max and where does that all go, 6% of closing costs? Because we've certainly had circumstances where you had 6% in closing costs and couldn't use it all. Right. right so right. what happens to that money? Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, Talk about yeah. that. It, it's, a, it's a very important conversation. I think, I think the way to start the conversation is uh, if this is something you're thinking about, don't do a darn thing until you talk to your realtor and you talk to your lender because there are guardrails surrounding that that are that are really non-negotiables. And used properly, you can you can really negotiate something attractive. Uh, used improperly, to your earlier point, buyer's going to leave some money on the table at the benefit of the seller, and, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate. So, and it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen with good planning. So, uh, uh, you know, I think back, <laughs> you know, 30 some odd years ago when, you know, after midnight, uh, you didn't have to work too hard to find the real estate pitchmen, uh, that were selling, you know, hey, you can buy a home with, with no money out of pocket and, and be a millionaire and all those kind of things. Tommy right? Vu. Tommy Vu. That's right. Yeah. And, and the other benefits that he had with the being the real I estate. I have yachts. Yes. Yachts and women was yachts his thing, and women, right? Real estate. So, right. Wow. so a lot of that strategy had to do with, hey, just get the seller to pay it. You know, he'll, you know, he can do your down payment, he'll pay your cost. You just walk in and sign. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So to answer your question, um, you know, the, the, the amount that a purchaser can ask from a seller to pay their cost does depend on the loan type to your point. So when we're talking about conventional loans, uh, if somebody is making an offer on a home and they're putting less than 10% down, they're capped at 3%. The most you can ask for from the seller is 3% of the sale price. And then it scales. If you put more than 10% and up to 24.99%, then you can ask for 6% of the sale price. Um, and with most of the transactions that we see, that would pretty much cover the nut. I mean, all the closing costs can fall into that. If you're putting 25% down or greater, that's for 9% of the sale price. You know, do some math on that. You know, when you're talking, huge. it is, it is. Wow. Yeah. $200,000 home, which in this day and age is not super expensive. That's $18,000. You know, you'd never spend that money. And to your point, one of the important guardrails that comes into play with that is you can't ask for more than you need. 
So uh, uh, the only thing that these costs concessions can go to are your closing costs and what we call your prepaid expenses, your taxes and insurance, per diem interest, things that are that are tied to the transaction. And so if you ask that seller, and this is what you were pointing out, John, if you have the seller to pay $6,000 in your costs, and it's within those caps that I just mentioned percentage-wise, but you come to me and we total up your costs and they come to $4,800. That's all you're going to get from the seller. So you've asked for six thousand. You made an offer with a price that was predicated on getting six thousand dollars back, but the seller only needs to concede forty eight hundred dollars because that's the grand total. If the seller concedes more than that, now he's contributing to the buyer's down payment, and that's not permitted. So that's the that's the conversation that between the buyer yourself and so me. wait, Tony, yeah. you're telling me that a buyer can't get a check at closing from the seller and walk away with some cash in his pocket. In most cases, that's not legal. Cannot. No, contrary to the late night pitchman, it doesn't work that way. Um, so that's conventional loans on FHA. It, it's a straight six percent that uh, that a buyer can ask for from the seller, regardless of up to six percent, up to six percent exactly. Uh, and then with VA, there's actually no limit on the closing cost. Cost that a seller can pay, uh, but then there's a four percent cap on other concessions, and that gets a little weird with their guidelines. So, in other words, um, when we're talking about the things that are true closing costs, uh, there, there's not a mathematical limit. Um, when we're talking about things such as uh, the tax prorations, uh, the per diem interest, those things that fall into the prepaid bucket, that's limited to four percent. Okay, so uh, it, it and it's more it, it becomes more generous. So let me give you an example of what what VA permits. If a veteran is purchasing a home and can only qualify if they pay off their Visa card, you can ask the seller to pay the closing costs and the balance on that buyer's Visa card, so he can qualify and close the deal. Provided the balance on that Visa card does not exceed that four percent cap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's really interesting. It is. Yeah, it is. So, uh, and the idea is, um, you know, the what the veteran can ask for from the seller uh, should not be limited. Uh, uh, based on what the the actual closing costs are, you know, so that that's it's a different negotiation. Um, we get into another category, you know, we're really talking about finance concessions when we're talking about those seller pay closing costs. The other category is what's what's considered sales concessions, and these can become problematic. So a sell a sales concession is when the offer says, um, "Hey, I want to I want a decorating allowance because the person who decorated the kitchen is the same one who did the Brady Bunch's kitchen, uh, or um, I want you to pay my moving costs, or I want uh, uh, I want you to include furniture." These are considered sales concessions, not financing concessions. They're non-realty items, and and those those mathematically become problematic because when we when we determine if if a person has enough equity uh, to meet the loan program guidelines, we're going to take the sale price and we're going to deduct from that sale price the value of those seller concessions. Okay, sales concessions more accurately, and so now. You know, you're, you're going to get that concession from your seller. Great. But your down payment just went up too because we're going to require more equity because we're not counting the value of that decorating allowance or the furniture allowance or the, or the, or the, any really non-realty incentive that that seller might be giving the buyer. Like a new roof. 
Where, do you, where does yes. that? Yes, yes. You know, it we're, does. when yeah. we're talking in the winter time, right? right? You know, you need a new roof, but you just can't replace it now. You got to wait for spring. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's problematic on two levels. Number one, it's given the heads up to the lender that hey, we got a faulty roof on this property. Maybe it's not the collateral that we think it is. And number two, if it's just a check that's handed to the buyer by the seller at the time of closing, once the closing takes place, we can't enforce that the buyer replace that roof. So but the insurance company might. Well, the insurance. <laughs> Absolutely, and they probably will. <laughs> they probably they? will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're exactly right. You know, we can't just give allowances. Um, you know, for for things that might be deemed substandard, I guess would be a way to deck it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and really, when we're talking closing costs, um, well, let's go in a different direction. I'm curious, what's the lender's perspective on? Realtor commission being part of the buyer's closing costs. Haven't seen it much. Right. Don't come across it much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear stories of some lenders kicking it out. Nope, can't pay that. Mm-hmm. Is it just specific to certain types of loans? Like a, ve- a veteran can't pay a commission to a realtor. Um, Talk about that for a second because we really haven't had to deal with that. But, you know, I I bring this up because there's a couple lawsuits out there right Mm -hmm. now that are um, pretty big. Um, You know, don't know exactly for sure where they're going to go. But uh, but from a lender's perspective – yeah, Speak to yeah, that. yeah. Well, it gets tricky for a couple reasons. Number one, at least as it stands right now, um, the the commission is paid by the seller. Correct. So, so, and it's paid to a broker. So we can't divert seller money to uh, to to benefit the buyer in that fashion. Now, if if a if an agent restructures the deal and they say, well, you know what. Um, I'm going to give up. This gets complicated. I'm going to give up part of my commission. So now the seller is going to net more. And then because of that, we want the seller to reimburse the buyer for some costs. That That's a permissible workaround. Let's take the scenario where you have a buyer uh, who wants to buy a home and is signed an exclusive right to buy or, you know, in a, a buyer exclusive agency okay. agreement with a realtor. And in there, it stipulates you're going to you agree to pay me three percent. The buyer. The buyer. Okay. And compensation on the house that the, that the buyer wants to purchase is 1% to buyer agent. So now the buyer has to make up that 2%. Oh, okay. okay. So just providing a copy of the uh, exclusive buyer agency agreement, mm-hmm. enough for a lender to allow that to happen. It is. It okay. is. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's not a restriction on yeah, – and you're right. This is going to go in the other direction of the, of the concession side. But a buyer can pay that fee. And uh, and there's no lending uh, rules uh, that prevent that in VA, um, FHA, or or conventional. That's correct. When it's a commission, when it's a commission, it's okay. a different set of rules. When we get into those transaction fees and processing fees, and I can see where you're going, you know, because with these lawsuits, it may be more so that the buyer is going to be paying those commissions if these lawsuits uh, 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 pan out. The interesting twist to that, though, John, is that um, if the price has been Changed on the assumption that the seller is not paying the full, which commission. it invariably yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. There's already talk about don't appraisers have to take that into consideration? And I think the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not in the rule book yet, so it's going to be interesting to see how that gets changed. It's going to have to, I think. Yeah. I, I I would agree with you, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's a 
I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, a, a buyer now has less money because they have to pay uh, a, a buyer agent to represent them. Mm-hmm. So it's that's money coming out of their pocket. That's less money they have to put down. Mm-hmm. So maybe that takes them out to be able to purchase for a little while longer. Right. Uh, although there's an argument that, well, if if buyers are negotiating with buyer agents on their fee mm-hmm. – um, well, then that that takes it to a different level where some buyer agents will work for a flat fee, some instead of a percentage. And I would argue that, you know, you get what you pay for. Right. right and right, yeah. yeah, you can work with a flat fee buyer agent, but how well are they going to represent your interest if, if we if we go down that road? Right. So, yeah. um, you know, just the old adage of, um, you know, you've got a pilot who's flying the airplane and – would you rather have somebody that has experience and give you that nice comfort and feel right. that this guy's going to get me from point A to point B safely, or the rookie pilot who's uh, uh, you know flying in <laughs> one, for one of the first times yeah, and goodness, uh, and yes. really um, gives you the heebie-jeebies about yeah, what absolutely. might happen while you're up in the air thirty thousand feet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that that's going to be an interesting change in the market if that comes through. Because uh, the other side of that coin is. Uh, you know, now when a seller looks at the standpoint of what they're going to market their home for, if they want to be competitive with other sellers, one of the things that they're going to take into consideration is, well, I'm not paying a maybe a six percent commission; I'm paying a three percent commission. And so, uh, what the dialogue is on our end of the table as lenders is that, um, on a lot of levels, the sale price of the home plus the commission that the buyer has to potentially pay if things go that way, that really that really kind of makes an acquisition cost. And that's really what the appraiser should be targeting. So uh, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. It's a, it's a great point. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. yeah. We'll find out in the, the coming months and maybe a year or two yeah. uh, to see which way this goes. Well, you know, and the interesting thing, John, is that it, it kind of makes me scratch my head on the uh, – uh, on the long-term validity of the suit, not necessarily the validity of the point that's being made, because I think there is some valid points in the suits uh, regarding this. But at the end of the day, the water's going to seek its own level, isn't it? You know, the market's going to drive what the home sells for and what the commission can be paid and by whom. It, it, it's 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 going to, you know, it's like laws of nature. It's going to balance itself out, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah, it yeah, will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So for better or for worse, though. The buyer can pay a, a an agent's commission without any regard to uh, running afoul of the rules of the road for mortgage lending. It's good to know. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we may be seeing more of that coming down the pike. <laughs> I think so. Um, yep. So, yeah, interesting discussion. I uh, Thanks for clearing up uh, a lot of questions regarding points and mm-hmm. – uh, concessions and how that all works. And one of the things that I wasn't aware of was putting more than, was it 20% down? 25% or greater, yeah. you can ask for 9% in closing costs. Now, I don't know how the heck you're going to use all that money yeah. coming back to you. Uh, but hey, if you're buying a million plus home and you're putting 25000 down, those taxes alone well, that's true. are, are going to be pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. Or we can pay for a lot of points, right? With or, all that money. <laughs> yeah, on a jumbo, yeah. right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, in almost 30 years, though, I've, I've never seen a situation where we're floating with that 9% level. It's just, it's just unrealistic. Um, now, when you're talking a thirty or $40,000 home where a percent doesn't go as far, it, it could work out. But it's really kind of a perfect storm uh, for most transactions. 
9% back from the seller just is not a realistic uh, calculation to be done. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. On a on a $90,000 home, would a, no, on a $50,000 home, $4,500 is 9%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, here, here's what happens, John. Closing costs don't really scale. You know, if a person's going to pay $3,000 in closing costs on a $250,000 home, when they go to get that $50,000 home, it's still going to be in that $3,000 range, you know? And so, so that's where it could come into play. It's, it's, it's just a, it's just a set of circumstances that we don't see every day where we could get that, that kind of concession back from a seller. Right. Yeah. All right. right. Well, great stuff today, Tony. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for clarifying that and, and talking about that. And I think, uh, people have a better understanding of exactly what they're looking at when somebody starts talking points, what it actually means and how much it affects their interest rate yeah. roughly and uh, and what what you need to do to make the best decision for you and then concessions. Right, right. And we're sounding like a broken record, but the but the rule of thumb with this kind of stuff, call us early in the transaction. You know, Don't make assumptions about what you could possibly get from a seller. Uh, let us walk you through those guardrails. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you for listening to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence. If be so kind to subscribe, review, and rate, we would appreciate it. Please share with your friends, family, and coworkers that they too can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.